of Psalm chapter 137. Psalm 137, keep your Bibles handy because in just a few minutes we're going to be going to the New Testament. But first we're going to start Psalm chapter 137, verse number 1. Please stand to honor the reading of God's Word if you're able. The Bible says this, and, and this is a fitting psalm to read after we've sung some good songs. It says in verse number 1 of Psalm 137, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, and yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the songs of Zion in a strange land? Let's pray. Father, we love you, God, and we thank you once again for the opportunity to be here. And Lord, I thank you for these folks that have come out and put forth an effort to be here this morning. God, I just pray that you would bless them. And Lord, more and more, I've been hearing that people are watching the services on the internet and, and on YouTube and Facebook. And, and Lord, we thank you for those avenues. And God, I just pray that the folks that will join us in that way, God, that you would bless them too. Lord, for whatever reason they can't be here due to health or, or whatever it may be, whatever hindrance they have, God, I just pray that you would bless anybody that sees this service. And Lord, I pray that it would go out into the world, Lord, and, and people would, would be changed because of it. And Lord, as we go into your word, God, I just pray that you would bless it. And Lord, that you would multiply it this morning, God, that you would open our hearts, God, and, and open our minds to hear what you would say to us. God, let us never point a finger and say this is for them or, or that's for those people over there. But God, it, this is for us this morning. Lord, I just pray that you would use me as your vessel. God, give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Last week I preached on Daniel. How many of you just, just uh, honestly have prayed more this week? Have you prayed more this week? Lacey has. Thank you, sweetheart. I appreciate that. That's because I made her. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's not true. Well, last week we preached about Daniel and, and how I, I alluded to the fact that Daniel had been in captivity for a long time, probably 60 years. And we arrive in Psalm 137. Now, a lot of people think when they read the book of Psalms that David wrote every psalm. You know, we read Psalm 23 and we read all these psalms. Psalm 51 is a psalm of David. And we think automatically that these were written by David and folks like that. But actually, the song right here, this psalm or this song that we have, was written by captives. It was still written by God's people. It was written by somebody that may have actually written songs in the temple in, in Jerusalem. But this, at this time, they wrote this song and they said this. This is the context. They had been taken away from their homeland, right? And they had been taken down to Babylon. And anybody that knows much about the Bible, you'll know that Babylon represents sin and wickedness and idolatry and all these other things. So they have been taken down here. And they, had been, and they had been given a task. Their captors said this. They said, hey, we heard that while you were back in Jerusalem that you guys were good singers. We heard that, man, there was nothing like the worship that went on in the temple. Now, you understand these captors, these Babylonians, they're pagans, right? These people don't know God. But they had heard maybe that, that they were awesome instrumentalists and they could play and they could sing. And, and when, when the temple worship came together, that it was a sight to behold and something to hear and that things were done for God that were awesome. And so these captors looked at these children of Israel and they said, Hey, why don't you sing us a song of Zion? 
Anybody ever heard the word Song of Zion? You heard that? That's the Songs of Home. Zion is a place and it's representative of Jerusalem. And they said, why don't you sing us one of these songs? But what does verse 2 say that they did? It says, we hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. And then verse number 4, he asked a question. Whoever wrote this, they said, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? How can, how can we do that? I can't believe that they would ask us to, to praise the Lord in this situation. And so I'm going to ask you a question. And Matthew, it's kind of out of order. So Matthew is our, Matthew's our slide guy back there. He'll, he's going to put a question up on the screen. And this is what we're going to preach this morning. You're going to pop that question up there for me? I'm not popping the question, okay? It says, how can we rejoice at a time like this? How can we rejoice at a time like this? And so that's what we're going to preach on. And, and, and I would say that, that everybody remembers how it used to be right we like to talk about you know we like to reminisce don't we anybody in here like to reminisce does anybody get the reminisce magazine has anybody ever heard of that I thought man my aunt was old when she got the reminisce magazine okay and if some of y'all get that it's okay and for some of you younger people that's a magazine that says how it used to be and we think about those times and we think about how, how good it was and you know how great things were and life was simpler y'all remember when life was simple it hadn't been that long ago, had it? And we, we talk about those good old days. And, and then we, we like to think about this. And, and we like to think about how church used to be. I'm going to say this, and, and by no means am I trying to put anything down. But we don't live in the used to be. We live right now. You know what we have? We have today, and we have right now. And I would venture to say this, that if, if the Lord is the same, and I believe He is, I would say that right now at this very time, He expects us to rejoice just like He expected us to rejoice 20 years ago. Would you say amen right there? How can we rejoice right now? Surely when, when, when this was written and, and all these things were going on, that things were different. Let's go to the book of Philippians. I told you we were going to turn over to the New Testament. And this is going to be where the main text is from. I, I just wanted to read Psalms to kind of set you up for this sermon. How can we rejoice at a time like this? And this is the Apostle Paul talking. Philippians chapter 4. And I'm going to read just five verses. You don't have to stand again, but just, just go with me there. Psalm, or Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Now that can be made, one of two things you can take that, depending on the interpretation that you believe. You can believe that, that it's rejoice in the Lord all the time, always. That's how we would a lot of times add an S to that and put that in there. It says rejoice in the Lord always. That's not a typo. That's in your Bible. But also it can mean this, and, and I believe this is kind of the connotation there, that it says rejoice in the Lord all the way till the end. So you remember in Matthew chapter 28 when Jesus gives the great commission, he says that he will be with us all way. He'll be with us all the way. That means until the end, not that, not that we should lay down and give up. So he says this, he says rejoice in the Lord always. And then in case you didn't hear it the first time, and again I say rejoice. In verse 5, I'm going to read on. He says let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. 
Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so we read this and we think, wow. When the Apostle Paul wrote Philippians chapter 4, he must have been on a mountaintop to be able to say the words, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Obviously, this guy had just come out of a wonderful church service, right? Obviously, this guy had just, had just kicked, you know, walked out and said, Hey, you know what? That preacher preached good and the singing was great and, and I'm fired up and, and I'm ready to go. And he said, Rejoice in the Lord. What is it to rejoice? It's just, a, I would say rejoicing is, I don't really have a textbook definition, but it is simply just to, just to lift the Lord up. See, the root word in rejoice is what? It's joy. Joy is something that the world doesn't give. Joy and happiness are different. And so that's why the Apostle Paul didn't say be happy all the time, but he did say rejoice. And, and you would think, man, we just had a re- great revival meeting and Paul just saw a bunch of people saved and things were going well. But that's absolutely not the context here. Paul was sitting in prison when he wrote that. Do you know that in a Roman prison? And in fact, just, just a little bit more background, and I, 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 sometimes I think I give too much background, but when Paul started the Philippian church where this letter was written to, you know what, he, what happened to him when he got to Philippi? He got put in prison. Seems like a common theme here. But this man sitting in prison... With the, in, in a dungeon, I'm not talking about he had it good and, and all these reform acts have been passed. No, he was sitting in an awful dungeon surrounded by filth and rats and soldiers and they were chained to him. And it was an awful experience. And you know what he said? Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice. And then he said, again, I say rejoice. Philippians is the book of joy. And as I read this and, and I thought, man... Sometimes I don't feel like rejoicing. You ever feel that way? You ever just wake up sometimes? I mean, be honest with me. Be honest with the Lord. You ever just wake up some days and you're just not into it? I get that way sometimes. I'll tell you what, last night, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere with this. Last night I went to bed kind of late. And, and I told people, I, I usually go to bed by 8.30, Okay. I'm not trying to be, be mean, but if I don't text you back or answer your phone call at like 9 o'clock, I'm just asleep, okay? Don't be mad at me. I'm just asleep. I try to go to bed early, all right? Now, what is, what's that old saying? Early to bed, early to rise makes a man uh, healthy, wealthy, and wise. Obviously, that's not true. But anyways, <laughs> so anyways, I went to bed late last night, and, and for some reason, it was about 11 o'clock when I went to sleep, and, and I had nightmares. You know, sometimes you just have nightmares, and some people say, well, you must have went to bed with a guilty conscience. No, I went to bed and ate M&Ms right before I did, so I think that's what done it to me. <laughs> it's okay, but they, they say food gives you nightmares. I won't get into that. But anyway, so I woke up this morning, and, and I woke up at 5.30, and when I woke up, I just wasn't feeling it. I'm going to be honest with you. When I, when I was on my way here, I, I, I woke up. Normally, I get my suit ready on Sunday or on Saturday night, and I told Helen, I was at a basketball game last night, okay, and I sat next to Sister Helen. You want to talk about somebody that can shout at a basketball? No, I'm just kidding, Sister. But I told her last night, I said, I'm not even going to have time to iron my suit. So I got up this morning, I had to iron my suit, and I had to get ready, and I was sleepwalking around. And I got in my truck, and I got on my way here. And I thought, you know, this is awful because this morning I'm preaching on joy. 
I'm preaching on rejoicing in the Lord. And this morning, do I feel like rejoicing? No, I didn't. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought, I'm tired. And, and, you know, just the condition, everything's going on. And as, as the pastor, I'm always thinking, is anybody going to show up for church this morning? I mean, I ask questions like that with the conditions that's going on. I'll just tell you the truth. And I wasn't feeling it. And then, and then I got convicted. Because I started thinking about all the good things that God gives. And, and then I thought about this very verse that I'm going to read to you. You, you know, as, as a preacher, I'll, I'll, I'll just leave that right, now, right there for a minute. A lot of times, preachers are able to identify problems. Like, I can stand here all day and tell you problems that we have. I just gave you one. We don't always rejoice. Sometimes we're just not feeling it. But I would do an injustice if I walked away this morning and didn't tell you how you can fix that. If, and, and I heard one preacher say this, what, what does that look like in real life? As if we're acting like church isn't real life. But, but what's the application? The Apostle Paul didn't just say rejoice in the Lord always and then walk away and say, now you figure it out. It, you're on your own. If you can find something to rejoice about, rejoice. But he gives us this verse right here. He says, finally, but I'm going to read verse 7 again. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And in verse 8, he says, finally. I love it when a preacher says finally in his sermon. He says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. He says, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. You see that? Think on these things. Verse 9, I'll go ahead and read it. He says, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the peace of God shall be with you. I like to talk about the peace of God, and I, I talked about it a little bit in, in when I preached the first sermon of the year, Psalm 23. And you know, that's the only way that you're going to be able to rejoice is with the peace of God. Because, because really, you can't rejoice right now. Did you know that? It, it's hard. If, you, if you're not saved, understand this, there's not a lot to be excited about. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree with that? I saw an interesting news article the other day. And, and, and just to be honest, with you, I say a news article. I don't know where I saw it. But I, I found it and I wrote some things down. And it was a, it was a headline. And you know, they always, they always it's like clickbait, right? They, just, they always try to get you with a headline. And the headline was this. It says, was the year 2020 the worst year to be alive ever? Anybody, have you asked yourself that question over the last year? Was 2020 the last or the worst year to be alive? And I thought, huh, that's a good question. What, what are they going to tell me? Yes, it was. And I clicked on it. And, and, it was, and, and, I, and I read it and I started reading and I read down, and it told all the problems we had in 2020, and, and I'm not even going to discuss that. And then it brought up the, the year 1918. 
when some of y'all were just little kids. <laughs> Rhonda didn't think that was funny. And it says 1918 might have been a worse year to be alive. You know why? Because there were tens of thousands of young men being killed in World War I. Tens of thousands in the trenches. Y'all know a little bit about World War I and how they fought and all the tear gas and mustard gas and the awful things that they went through in dealing with that. But on top of that, if, if you survive the war... In 1918, if you were a young man, probably Mason's age or maybe Daniel's age, and, and you didn't get shot or didn't get hit by an artillery shell or your lungs weren't burnt up by mustard gas and you came home and you would think, wow, this is going to be a lot better. No! The Spanish flu was happening here in the United States of America. They compare what we're dealing with right now, the Spanish flu. And so tens of thousands of people were dying in war. And hundreds of thousands of people were dying from the Spanish flu. The life expectancy of people from 1917 to 1918 went down 12 years. Man, that's bad, ain't it? And then it went on and it said, how about the year 1816? I'm sure nobody remembers that year. I know nobody was a kid during that, during that time. And they called that the year without a summer. Because a volcano erupted and it blocked out the sun almost all the way around the world. And crops failed and people died because they didn't have anything to eat. And, and just uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of people died. And if it couldn't get worse, year 1349, the year of the, the Black Death over in Europe, killed a third of the population. Would have killed something like 247 million people if it was around today. And yet through all those things, guess what? People made it. Not everybody made it, okay? That's just, the, that's just the truth. But when we start thinking about these things, and we start thinking about how the past year went, and, and all these things, if we're not careful, we'll get into a state where we just won't rejoice anymore. We'll say, what do we have to rejoice about anymore? And so Paul said those words. He gave us verse 8, and he said, Think on these things. The word think there is also kind of alluded to in verse 7. He said, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts. And what's that next word? And what? And your minds. You know, what's on your mind is, is basically going to control how you live your life, isn't it? Whatever you're thinking about, that's, that's, just, that's just how you're going to act. You're going to act and react from those things. And so the Apostle Paul, I think he understood this, this philosophy of whatever you put in is what you're going to get back out of it. Amen? I used to have this, this English teacher in high school way back like 15 years ago. And, and, and we, computers weren't as big and she hated computers. And she always said if you put trash in a computer, you'll get trash out of it. And I think that applies to us too. If we put trash in our minds, you know what we're going to get out of our lives? More trash. Everybody, is everybody still with me? Is everybody understanding what I'm saying here? If you're living your life based upon what's going on in the world, things aren't going to go well and you won't be able to rejoice. There'll be no rejoicing in your life. But he said this, he said, but the peace of God will keep your mind. He said, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. He said, he said this is what you need to do. If you want to rejoice in the Lord, 
You notice that's what the verse said, right? Verse 4, it didn't say rejoice in the world. It didn't say even rejoice in the church because sometimes it's hard to rejoice in the church. Rejoice in the Lord always. And he said, he said when, when you think, he said you need to be thinking about things that are true. You know, the truth is in, is, in, is in very short order these days because we don't know what's true anymore, do we? It's hard to find truth. I mean, you can, you can look for it and, and people search their whole lives for it. But he says, he says, look here, he says, whatsoever things are true, be thinking about that. Where can you find truth? Right here in your Word, right here in the Bible. Last week I challenged you to pray. And I, I, I just said, we need to be praying. I think if you want to find truth, we probably need to start opening our Bibles up. You know, it's, it's probably a good thing if you open your Bible more than once a week when you come to church. Everybody gets quiet. I love this. That means I struck a nerve. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to park here for a while. No, I'm just kidding. I won't do that. But we'll move on because all these, they, they just go hand in hand. And then he says, whatsoever things are honest... Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure. Purity is hard to find in our world too, isn't it? All these things, they're, they're, they're sort of hard to look up sometimes. You know, there's this thing that we, we, Tanner, we've talked about it before. That a lot of the reason that we're like we are in the church today, and no joy in Christians, is because we don't have a biblical worldview. You know what that means? That means you're going to look at the world some way. Did you know that? You're, you're, you're going to look at it. Your thoughts and mind is going to be influenced somehow. And as a Christian, your, your view of the world is supposed to be influenced through the lens of this Bible. And you should be able to look out into the world and you should be able to see what's going on and you should be able to say, yeah, that's going on because Satan is the God of this world. He's the prince of the power of the air. Did you know that? That's what Ephesians chapter 6 says that the devil is. And, and the reason that, that I don't get really, uh, I guess for lack of better words, I don't get tore up. You know what getting tore up is, right? We get all flustered. The reason I, I don't get so tore up is because I know that these things are pretty much just going to happen. They almost have to happen. They're going to happen. And so that's the reason I don't get all flustered over it. It's because my hope is not in this world. Let's read on. He says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just and pure, whatsoever things are lovely. That's why I think about Lacey. Amen, brothers. You ought to be thinking about your wives, right, and your girlfriends. And and I'm sure Daniel's sitting over here thinking about how lovely Kyle is. He says, man, that's the prettiest woman I've ever seen. But I bet when you think about her, you feel better, don't you, Daniel? Is that true? It better be true because she's sitting right there looking at you. Whatsoever things are of a good report. We had a good report this morning from Sister Jean. Did you know that? Oh, my goodness. We're here lately, you know, uh, my dad, my dad is, is a part-time comedian, and the rest of the time he's kind of mean, I guess. But no, I'm just kidding. But he said, you know when you ask somebody how they're doing, and he said they give you an organ recital. 
They tell you about how, how all their organs are not doing good, okay? That's what he calls an organ recital. Not, not like your organ recital, Sister Connie. And we, we hear all kinds of bad reports, right? You know, when we have prayer requests, and I'm not trying to, to discourage anybody from making requests, but there's, it, there's always something wrong, right? I mean, there's always somebody sick. This morning, I, I had to report to you that Sister Faith Fanning's not doing good. That, that was a report I had to give because we need to pray for her. But every once in a while, I like to hear a good report. I like to hear how that somebody went in for surgery and that everything went as planned and that, that it, just, it was quick and they were in and out and they sent that thing off for a biopsy and there was no cancer. That's a good report. We should think about that. We should think about how that God is still touching people, how that God is still healing, and that God is still in control of this world. Let's think about that for a little while. And when I think about that, Sister Jean, you want to rejoice, don't you? We want to rejoice because of that. Every once in a while, maybe, maybe I, sh as the pastor, should open it up and, and let some people tell what God has done for them. Because God has worked through so many people in this church, and yet we don't hear those good reports. We sometimes only hear the bad ones, don't we? Brother Charlie had COVID. But you know what? Good report. He's here this morning. He's okay. He's doing well. He's just a little bit tired. But other than that, we're good to go. Good report. Praise the Lord for that. Don't overlook it. Hey, let, let's talk about that. Let's, let's put our magnifying glass on that and then just stop and rejoice for a minute and say, hey, God can heal somebody. God can still work. Think about that. Think about it. And that will give you joy. You know, that's, that's the truth, and that's a thing that is honest, and, and I love that. And then he goes on, and, and I'm going to keep reading. We're almost done with this verse. Whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if you can find any good thing about it. I'm, I'm often catch myself sort of being critical of things. And, and it's just my nature. That's just how I am. I'll, I sometimes, I guess the, the first thing I look for in a lot of things is the bad. Anybody else in here ever do that? You, you see something and you automatically see what's wrong with it, and, but we don't see what's right with it. You say, well, what's wrong with that person? Well, how about this? What's right with that person? Let's start asking that question. He says, if there be any virtue. He said, if there be any praise if there's any way that we can praise the Lord in these situations let's praise him for that I said this before during the during this whole time I said there's something good that came out of this this C word that we're happening I said our church went online we can praise the Lord for that because we might not have ever got into into that if it hadn't have been for this so there's a good thing let's think about those things so much negativity around us and you're saying, well, preacher, what are you trying to tell me to do? Just stick my head in the sand and ignore everything that's going on? You know, we, we need to be aware of what's going on in the world. Yes, we do. But I'll say this, and I say it very carefully, because I don't want to leave the wrong impression, but sometimes you have to remove yourself and disconnect yourself from what's going on in the world. And you need to do something, and this is a very important thing. You need to go somewhere that's quiet, and you just need to sit there, and you need to focus on the Lord.
Sometimes you, now I'm not even saying you have to go pray all the time. Sometimes why don't you just go sit down and just think about him? You know, I, I read in studying for this sermon, I read this, and, and I don't know how true it is, and I don't know how they figured this out. When you read statistics, you wonder that sometimes, right? But they said that the average person has 6,000 thoughts a day. 6,000 thoughts a day. We're, we're thinking all the time, aren't we? During this sermon, this is, this is going to be about an hour-long sermon, so if you divide how long that is, I'm just kidding. Some of y'all lost me right there. It's, if you think about it, you've probably had three or 400 thoughts while I'm sitting here or while you're sitting here listening. And we think about those 6,000 thoughts. And I just wondered, and I, I didn't measure this on myself, but I asked myself this question, how many thoughts in a day do I think about the Lord? How many times do I think about His goodness? You know, it doesn't take long to think a thought, does it? I mean, you think it and it's gone. Sometimes you think about things a little longer. But when Paul said at the end of this verse... He said, think on these things. That word, when interpreted from the Greek, I won't give you the Greek word because just to be honest with you, I can't pronounce it, okay? I can show it to you later. But the root of that word, the, the word right there, think, doesn't just mean to have a passing thought. It means to dwell on and to meditate on and to spend some time, in another way you could say, to study on it for a while. If you want to have joy in your life, just start thinking about the Lord. Just, just, just unplug for a few minutes. Turn and I'm not against TV. I'm not going to say you're a sinner if you watch TV. But sometimes if you just pick up your remote, it's got a power button on it and it turns it off too. And you just turn that thing off. And you, you put your cell phone maybe in, the, in a drawer somewhere. I don't, I don't know what to do with it. Put it under a pillow where you can't hear it vibrating. Whatever it is. And just go somewhere and sit down. Don't go to sleep, okay? Because a lot of us, when we get quiet, we sit down. What do we do? We go to sleep, right? But just purposely go in there, stay awake. If you have to, drink a cup of coffee, get your mind focused, and just think about all these good things that God has done for us. And I guarantee that if you will do that, if you'll just set aside time and you'll get your heart right and you'll go in there and, and you'll sit down and you ask God to, to start revealing things to you, he'll, he'll, he'll just play things back in your mind that He has done for you and before long you can't help but rejoice in the Lord. Amen? We need some rejoicing in our churches. I'm not saying rejoicing is, is just jumping up and down and, and yelling and all that. That, well, that can be a form of rejoicing. But I'm talking about some people who when you see them and their countenance is, is that they're a joyful person. I like to see joyful people coming. I don't like to see people coming that have that grim, you know, just that stern look on their face. You know, as a pastor, when somebody comes looking at me sternly after church, I thought, oh no, what did I say wrong in the sermon? I like to see those joyful people coming with that smile of, of godly joy on their face to say, you know what, preacher, you may have butchered it this morning, but my, my rejoicing is not in you, it's in the Lord. Amen? Rejoice in the Lord always. And he said, and again, I say rejoice. Now back to Psalms, and I read that, and, and we think, how? How can we rejoice at a time like this? How can we sing a song of praise to the Lord at a time like this? The Apostle Paul gave us his instructions. 
Just do it. Just, just pick up your harps. You know, not all of us are musicians, but we all can praise the Lord in our own unique way. But we need to be rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord always. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and God, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I thank you that, that you gave us that verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse number 4. That the Apostle Paul was inspired to write the word rejoice down. And God, I just pray that today, as this sermon goes out and as people begin to examine their lives, Lord, I just pray that we would ask ourselves, am I a person of joy? Am I a person that's always rejoicing in the Lord? Or, or do I walk around grim and, and discouraged and disheartened and, and just, just mad sometimes? Lord, if, if we have nothing else to thank you for other than the fact that you saved us, that is enough. But God, you went far beyond that. Lord, you're with us all the time, God, and, and you keep us and you protect us. And Lord, when the bad things come and, and the cancer shows up and the heart problems, Lord, you can still see us through that, and Lord, we still trust you. And Lord, we rejoice in you this morning. God, I pray that we can be rejoicing people and that when we leave here today that we can go out into the world and go to our workplaces and, and school and wherever we may go and that people can see the Christian joy in us. That even though things aren't going well all the time that we still have joy. God, help us. Lord, I just pray that you would put some things on some people's mind. And, and Lord, help us to unplug from the filth and, and the things that we shouldn't be seeing. And, and just the news and Facebook and all these other things. And God, help us get plugged into your word. And help us get plugged into meditation and prayer. And put our focus on you because, God, you alone are our hope. Lord, we praise you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name.